Considered podcast, formerly known as Wizarding World News Podcast, formerly known as Deputy Dancing and Sergeant Songs Time in the Spotlight Podcast, formerly known as Down to Earthworm Podcast, formerly known as Do You Believe Podcast. That is a mouthful. Uh, you got Max here and Lee. What's up, Lee? Hello, I'm doing good, man. What's up? Doing good. Just made a an 11 hour trip or so between states, so I'm I'm a little tired. Bear with me, but I I think uh, today we got a good topic. Um, yeah, I think it's something that, that I, I know I'm passionate about just in general. Um, and you know, I think there's a lot of interesting things to cover with it. Today's topic, we are going to be talking about censorship. Um, and you know, before, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard that word frequently lately, but, uh, you know, bear with us. We got, we got some good stuff that, that maybe isn't talked about so much. So, um, yeah, so I think when when I'm talking about censorship, I'm kind of going to be referencing a book mostly that I've that I've been reading. It's called Manufacturing Consent. It's by uh, Herman Edward and Noam Chomsky. So um, I think most of like what I'm talking about is kind of going to reference that. So don't don't sue me, guys, please. <laughs> but um, yeah, Lee, I mean, how how are you feeling about this topic so far? Like from what you've researched. Um, I'm, I'm curious about this. I'm curious about the book that you're reading. I haven't really done any deep reading on it. I've just, I've been aware of it. Um, I think I had mentioned maybe it was like on like our moon episode that like, I felt like moon landing conspiracies were being censored because, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just me like, um, probably 10 year, five, 10 years ago, conspiracy theories were like the coolest thing ever. Like, that's what everyone was into. And now, like, you can't find anything anywhere, like, through normal methods. And it's, you know, it's kind of suspicious to me and kind of concerning, too. Right. Yeah. No, that's 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 interesting. I think that's kind of what most of the conversation revolves around is, like, you know, why are things censored? How are they censored? What is there? And then, you know, kind of people get into more, like, conspiracy side things, like what they think is being censored and what the motive is. But... Um, you know, I think like, like I said today, I kind of want to just talk about more, more or less what it is and it sort of build, I guess, a framework that you can look, you know, use as a guide, maybe something like that. But it's, like I said, it's mostly most, most of what I'm going to be talking about is from, from that book, um, manufacturing consent. And, you know, basically I, I think they've had a few different revisions of it because I mean, as you probably know, Noam Chomsky is pretty, pretty old and I actually, um, I believe Herman is, is actually deceased, but anyways, they, you know, they were, I think like economists and whatnot. And so they, and just very brilliant guys. <clears throat> and so basically what this book does is it sort of like lays out, like I said, a framework or a blueprint, uh, for a possible way to, I guess, think of like the inner workings of censorship. And then I'll leave it up to the audience. You know, you guys can apply it as you like. Um, so it's sort of like a manuscript for how censorship works. And uh, it can be sort of like used to explain different scenarios of censorship, I would say. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, the Webster Dictionary 
definition, if it hasn't been censored already, is the institution system or practice of censoring. Oh, and it's a noun. And if you guys listen to the last podcast, you may know I'm not too uh, good at being grammatically, grammatically, whatever it is, accurate, you know? <laughs> is that even a real sentence? I don't know. Anyways, um, no, it's, so it's, it's a noun. I know that I looked it up. It's a noun, and it basically, it's, uh, it's like the institution system or practice of censoring actions of, pra- uh, you know, or the actions or practices of censors. Um, and basically, like I said, I think it's, it's easiest to just lay it out as, as in like the inner workings and how it works. So, um, yeah, I guess let's, uh, let's jump into this. Yeah. Right. Let's do it. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So basically, I mean, the way that it works, and I think why people are super paranoid with it and as they should be, honestly, you know, I think it's, yeah, you know, it's kind of like works with our freedom of speech and, and a lot of different rights that we have as people and that we cherish, you know, um, as far as like what we can say, how we can say it and whatnot. So, but you know, and, and I think, you know, where it kind of gets worrying is how it's been utilized probably forever by people at the tippy top, you know, whoever they are throughout the years. And, and essentially censorship is kind of like a tool or, or I guess, you know, a group of tools where interests, um, can be met and then I guess advanced in a sort of way. So, uh, you know, it's, there's different facets that allow, I, I guess the goal is like facets and tools that allow interests to work in this system. And then the interest is advanced and, um, and sort of, you know, provoked, I guess, in a way you could say. So, you know, the way I see it's like with censorship, it's basically, you know, how, how it's being utilized today is through, you know, it's with politics. Um, you know, it's with, toys you want to play, play with everything, you know, there's, there's so many like facets to it, but the censorship model that they propose in, uh, in this book is, you know, they have some sort of like ingredients and they call them filters, um, that, that are utilized to get, to work towards these initiatives that the the controllers essentially like want, you know? So, um, there has to be like, you know, it's, it's got it's, the, the censorship model proposes that it has to have these five ingredients. So number one is the size concentration, uh, co- the size concentrated ownership, owner wealth and profit orientation of the dominant mass media firms. Two is it's advertising as the primary income source of the mass media. Number three is the reliance of the media on information provided by the government, business and experts quote unquote, funded and approved by the primary sources themselves and the agents of power. The fourth ingredient is flack, which is uh, as like a means of disciplining the media and sort of checking it. And we'll kind of like get into that in a little bit. Um, And then also uh, the other ingredient. And again, this is kind of outdated, like this part of it, but it's anti-communism as a, as a national religion and control mechanism, uh, and then it goes on to say, as I'm quoting the book, it says uh, these elements interact with and reinforce one another. The raw material of news must pass through successive filters, leaving only the cleansed residue fit to print. They fix the premises of discourse and interpretation and the definition of what is newsworthy in the first place. And they explain the basis and operations of what amount to propaganda campaigns. So, I mean, there's a lot said there, but it's basically like, um, you know, there's, there's these five 
groups, essentially. Or I guess you could say there's three groups and then there's like two kind of rules tacked on with it. So like the first group is media. The second group is like the advertising that allows media to exist and thrive and profit. And then the third is like the governments, the businesses and like experts that that kind of like fund and approve the the sources um, of like power, I guess. So, you know, I guess to boil it down and put it in real terms, it's basically like, you know, you have like all these giant media outlets and they're basically given money to, uh, you know, to to mediate and essentially become a mouthpiece for the initiative is the way I see it. Um, and like how they're able to keep talking and, and voicing their, their opinion, um, is through the advertisement that companies, you know, give them and pay them. And then those companies in order to, you know, allow the advertisement to exist, they need politicians to allow, you know, to write legislation pass laws, whatnot, so that those businesses can continue to do business, make their profit and make their product too. If that makes sense. I don't know. Am I being like really wordy or repeating myself at all the years? No, that's good. Does it make sense so far? Yeah. I had a quick question. So have they written this? Is this a model that they have created to describe what's currently happening? Or is this a, what, like. So in the book, they, they essentially like, they lay out this this blueprint that I just kind of explained, and they explain that there's an interest that like uh, that 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 sort of like pushes an initiative, and the initiative is the whole point of censorship. And so then they take that model and basically like apply it to different things that have happened in the past, and that show that this model is like pretty you know accurate. So yeah, so it's a model to describe the censorship environment, but it's not a, this is how we think censorship should be run, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then they basically just have some, you know, case studies that they talk about. Again, it's mostly like from 60s, 80s um, kind of stuff that that shows how like this model is essentially proven in their, you know, from their research. Yeah. So it's just like a model they lay out. And so it's basically, you know, government um government business people and and media all just sh- shaking each other's hands if you will and then they uh you know they use their tools that they all bring to the table to cre- to to push an initiative or a narrative you know the narrative is part of the initiative i suppose and you know with politicians being able to write legislation and be you know prominent figures they can kind of, you know, be the face of the companies and businesses while the businesses make their money. And then the media basically, you know, voices an opinion that they essentially want to, I mean, you know, they voice an opinion that they essentially want everyone to think, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it allows the politicians and the businessmen to stay important and keep making a bunch of money and like power and keep power so like the initiative i was talking about that's basically what it boils down to it's censorship is like a mechanism to just i think at least to like stay in power that's what it's been it's been abused to become that so it's like censorship is just now being used to like stay in power keep your money and keep making money and keep gaining more and more power basically it um, seems that way yeah and so like like the, what they talk about is you know anti-communism communism and the red scare you know that whole thing basically is where we really started to see like how censorship was really being um just 
you know, used to the nth degree and like how powerful it really is because, you know, they, they essentially, the politicians were able to say, Hey, like, and okay. And this might spring into another conversation with you, Lee, cause I know we discussed this a little bit off the cuff, but like, this is why I was trying to say, like, I don't think that you can talk about capitalism without talking about like democracy and, and kind of conflating them. Like, cause I know like, I guess this is kind of like a side note, but it's, it's relevant. There was one time we were talking about capitalism and how I said, like, it's kind of ill received. And then we were talking about how it's just like, it should, shouldn't be ill received because it's just a way to make money sort of thing. But I, I think like it, you have to conflate it with government and like capitalism does become, uh, sort of like corrupt by like a democratic system, if that makes sense. Like capitalism, how we know it isn't what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I think I finally looked up the definition to get the official thing. And it's just that um, its focus is that, you know, private property is a thing. That's essentially like the definition. So it like it's it's so, I don't know, it's so vague and broad that like there's got to be like a million different offshoots of or subtypes of capitalism that you can't say capitalism is bad. Like it's just, it's too broad. You know, it, you have to kind break like down. You can say like censorship isn't necessarily bad. It's just like how it's used. Yeah. So it's like, kind of, it's, it's, yeah, if you want to criticize capitalism in its current state, you know, be my guest. But I just, when people just dismiss capitalism as evil and bad, it's like, well, I mean, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> it's just, it gets exploited. And I'm sure like, um, and I'm not trying to lump the two together, but like socialist and like communist probably feel the same way. Like, like, yeah, it's been like, it's been corrupted because like bad people get power and they ruin it. You know, that's that, yeah, like, that would be their argument. Really like what communism is and like vice versa. Like, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but like, I, I it just kind of like popped up in my head. Like, um, it's sort of relevant. I mean, I guess it's just it's interesting because like this the censorship model that that's proposed in this book, it's just like um it, it kind of explains too like how capitalism today is like like how it's developed into what it is I think at least because because essentially it's like these businesses like have to provide media income in order for them to provide income to media the like the diplomats have to like allow them to continue doing business and give them perks and subsidies while you know, then they, then the politicians use the media as well to like vocalize the politician's agenda, which the agenda is only really justified and verified by the politicians because of business people, i.e. like the capitalists, I think, because it's like, you know, the politicians wouldn't even be there if, if there weren't businessmen, you know, I think business people could th- survive without politicians, but politicians like would not survive without business people. And yeah. so anyways, I, I'm kind of going off tan- on, a, on a tangent, but did you have something to say? Yeah, I was just going to throw in like it feels like um, the economic systems and stuff that we think work. It um, We think of it differently at our level being just the average person. And I'm sure it's a completely different system up at the top, right? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like, it, like you were describing, all the people that are involved in that that system are all like elites essentially like we don't play any part in it at all 
No, exactly. Cause, and, and that's why, that's where I think like this whole censorship thing get like why it's so important to talk about, because again, just like, you know, this is like just a structure that, that we're, like of censorship and like the way it's used is really what matters. So it's like who is in power and who is like kind of, I guess, essentially pulling the strings because, cause there's like a whole, you know, there's like, you know, people just think, Oh, it's like censorship, whatever. But it's like, there's a lot um, at stake with it, I think. And that's kind of what I want to get into, I suppose. So, you know, basically with these three different parties, you know, government, business, and then the media, like working together for like a certain interest, you know, they're all trying to keep money and power. They basically have to utilize like the media a lot of the time. And then they, they use media for the fourth ingredient of this model, which is called flack. And it's like a means of disciplining the media. So like, it's very meta in a way, (laughs) like they use the media to push one certain narrative and picture that the politicians are backing and like what politicians and business people want. And then like they hire quote unquote experts, but the experts that they have are like approved by government basically. Like, which is, it's just very, it's like this, like the way I imagine this whole thing is like a snake eating its tail. Like it's just like, it's very circular. And so the media uses, um, you know, they're, they're like the mouthpiece for all these initiatives and then they like push a narrative and like, they're, you know, supposed to be like credible and objective. And then, and w- under that, like that scope of like ob- objectivity and, and, um, you know, research and like factual stuff, like I think where it's getting at today and probably we're already at it is it's like evolved into something where it's like now the media isn't really objective and factual all the time. Like it's never ever been factual all the time, but I think it's like being even more like people are worried that it could become more easily less objective. And so, so like flack is part of it. So like, this is how they keep like their credibility essentially is like if they mess up and they like say something wrong or like they're, they're checked and proven wrong. Like then the media can use their same outlet to just say like, Oh, well we had like, we had their, the other person's opinion on and we advertised it. So like, you know, we're, we're, we're disciplining ourselves in a way. And like they create flack for themselves essentially is what it's called. And like, you know, the, the way that they can get away with that is, um, again, through like advertisement, you know, they, they can only allow certain people and certain groups to speak on their platform and, and, and like, um, all, all day and every day, they're pretty much going to be just saying the same thing over and over. But then every once in a while, if they like realize, oh, there's like a lot of ruckus out in like the population, they're starting to realize that what we're saying isn't like exactly true or whatever, then they, then they'll like let someone else talk for a second. You know what I mean? But if you look at the data and they go over it in the book, I don't have it all up in front of me. So I'm just going to, you know, I guess, you know, just use a metaphor to explain it. Like in one year, for instance, they they'll have like headlines that push their narrative and they'll have maybe 200 different articles that talk about that same narrative. And in the same year, they might only have 30 articles that talk about the, the opposition. So what they do is like, they're, essentially like diminishing the power of like the voice in a way. And it's kind of, you know, it could, it could become an infringement of speech, uh, freedom of speech. And basically, um, that's why I think it's like super, you know, it can be very like dangerous because, you know, if, if, if you're only hearing one side all the time of uh, any opinion, then it's like, you don't know what's true. You don't know what's actually happening. And, um, 
and it, it, it can just can become dangerous. And I mean, literally like people can, you know, lives can, are at stake. People die over this stuff, like honestly. So that's where like the fifth ingredient comes in is, uh, you know, in this book, it was, it was anti-communism was the fifth ingredient, which again, you it's kind of, that's kind of outdated, not all like not completely outdated, but that is like an older idea, I think. Yeah. But I think it's, it's, like, it's just been changed now. Like, exactly i mean the narrative now seems to be like anti-trump like that seems to be that's what you swap out you know Mm -hmm. well or you could say well yeah exactly so okay that's a good point i didn't really think about this until you just said that like i think the man i'm kind of getting ahead of myself but i do think that like what's happening at least in american media is that like they're starting to be like turn the enemy inward in a way. So before it was oh, yeah. anti-communism, then it was, um, then it was terrorism, you know, like yeah. with the, you know, like the twin towers, like 2001 and terrorism has sort of been like the, like the thing that they want to quash and like that they kind of amp up everyone in the nation to quash. But like people are starting to realize like, okay, we've been in, you know, wars for like 20 plus years, like what, or like 20 years, whatever. Like, why are we there? And then like, that's where I think like the censorship plays a part. Cause it's like, now we're like, people realize like, okay, well we're occupying a lot of land that, that we were initially, it was under like, you know, terrorism. And I mean, this kind of circles back to our, our podcast about the, the Uyghurs, you know, like China was using terrorism as like an excuse to put, um, you know, the Uyghurs into concentration camps. And then we even kind of talked about in that whole podcast that like that alone, like what I just said, could also be like censorship on America's side. Like that might not be actually what's happening. It could be a completely different story. Like China might be in the right. We don't know. Or it's just more complicated than what we say it is. It's always more complicated than what they broadcast. Right. So initially it was anti-communism. Then it was terrorism. It's still kind of, it still is terrorism. But at the same time, like people are realizing like we should not, I don't know. I guess not everybody agrees, but like a lot of, I think it's like, we shouldn't be going all over like the world occupying places under this like pretense of terrorism when it's like, now I think it seems more like we're occupying these places for their resources. And in a way we've become the terrorists. Cause like we like are killing a lot of these people and bombing a lot of places for these resources. And it's all under the name of terrorism. And like, that's where like this whole model can really be seen. It's like, well, okay, is terrorism as bad as like you're saying it is, or are we there because there's business interests that want the resources from these countries and then they're using the politics to draft legislation to send war or, you know, for like declaration of war and like legislation to occupy places and basically commit like war crimes, um, under the pretense of terrorism. And then, like the media is broadcasting this whole message that like it is just terrorism, like we're doing good things. But really, it's like in the interest of the business people who the politicians need and want because they have money. Like it's it's very. I don't know. Like yeah. what I said just now could probably piss a lot of people off, but it's like I think more and more people are starting to realize like what's being told to us about like all these dangers in the world that like america has to go and like fight for it's like i don't is it really actually like that or are you guys just kind of like like using censorship to like push an agenda that like you're and you're just telling us like one side of the story or maybe you're like watering down or like you know like again it says you know in the definition it says 
The raw material of news must pass through successive filters, leaving only the cleansed residue fit to print. So, like, I don't know. I have, like, an analogy to kind of talk about what I'm trying to say, but, like, what were you were you going to say something? Um, I think I was just going to say something like, yeah, just... Oh, you were you said something about people getting mad about you saying this, and it's like, I feel like if you get mad when somebody questions something or suggests something might not be true that you believe, I don't think it's a good sign when you get mad about it, right? I feel like the first I, instinct should be like, uh, I don't know about that because of X, Y, and Z, you know, just like, but we live in a time and it's just there's so many people i meet that it's they find their quote-unquote source or their news and then hold everything that comes from there to be truth and anything against that you should fight against that just seems to be the the mentality of people now versus like hey man i just want to find out what the truth is you know i don't care where it comes from i just want to know it's true yeah, and people kind of choose their own truths in a way. At the end of the day, everyone chooses their own truth. Like, especially today, it's like, well, what is actually real? What is fact? And so, like, it, you know, they discuss in this book how, like, you know, decades ago, before there was, like, internet, especially, and, like, and especially, like, social media and, like, phones, like, they were talking about how it was very much more local news. And they refer to it as, like, I think, like, laborer news. So, like, you would essentially you know in the olden days i guess you know when dinosaurs roamed around the country which i just saw some dinosaur bones in colorado i I don't know they just look like rocks to me but anyways when you um but when you basically like back in the day it was like you'd like you know when when it was all black and white you'd walk down your stairs um you know when the when when the world was had no color in it like it was just black and white that was a joke, everybody. <laughs> I guess it's not funny. But, you know, you can picture the dude's got, like, a trench coat on. He's got, like, a cigar in his mouth or, like, a pipe. He, like, walks down to the newsstand, grabs, like, a newspaper, and it's, like, a local publication. It's, it's from, like, the community around him. Well, what's happened is, you know, they're just bought up, essentially. And so now it's, like, you're not getting really diversified news. And that's why, censors, like, the censorship model, I think, works any time. Because, like, even during or in any situation, because, like, even during the time of, uh, you know, what I just explained, like, back in the day, there was still generally, like, some some of the same headlines, like, news just moved slower, and, like, there was, pr- there, there was probably more diversification of, like, what was actually being told, though, like, at the end of the day. But it was still, you know, there was still censorship, like, strings to pull. Um, and essentially, it's, like, you know, it's kind of percolated up into one or two people essentially like owning every media outlet. So now there isn't really diversification of headlines. It's just like the same print over and over in like, and like all over. So, I mean, just as kind of like a, you know, like an analogy, I think I've always heard like every major industry, um, just, this is like a general rule in like business and like economics every industry tends to percolate into just like three or four different companies, something like that. And like, you can see this one, well, you could even argue that it's like three or four companies, but then those three or four companies could be owned by like just one or two companies, essentially. I mean, think about those like Kellogg and like Nestle, you know, family trees of like what's owned essentially like, you know, you can kind of like, and you can see with like AT&T and like time Warner, I think didn't they merge a long time ago. Basically what I'm trying to say is like, all of these businesses and industries, like the businesses within the industries percolate to like three or four, you know, maybe five different companies. 
And then like those end up being the, you know, the, the same ownership and the same people that have the same initiatives, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, there's like, for there's instance, like, so few, if you really trace back to who's owned by who, there's very few companies out there. <laughs> exactly. So that's the business side of it. And then you even think about like with media kind of like what we're talking, you know, in the framework of this model, like even media outlets are owned by like just a few people. And I think like the main guy is like the main, like mogul or like tycoon guy is uh i think it's like rupert murdoch so like this guy has every single outlet so it's like it's like of news and media and opinion essentially like general opinion so like a politician obviously is going to be like damn that's really important because if i can get them to talk about like what i want to do and talk about like what is like justified then like i'll get these businesses to back me up and then i just need to talk to this freaking like murdoch dude and then he'll just publish whatever article I need him to. And then the business people will stay happy. Like, you know, Murdoch gets to like advertise for all these different businesses and then also push like an agenda. And, um, you know, it's essentially just it's percolated into like, you know, just like these few networks that are kind of owned by like the same people and the politicians know them, business people know them. They just throw money, you know, in a circle around with each other. And then, and that's just kind of like, you know, essentially like, the argument is like the laborer is losing we're losing our voice essentially like all these politicians you know politicians business people and media outlets like they're all just like they're staying on the top staying fat you know and 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 being able to like say what's justified what's right like how how things should be done and then like people at the bottom like for instance like you know like there's always that I mean, for years, dude, 60s, 70s, I think even as well, like people have always been wanting a working wage. You know what I mean? Like people don't want unemployment in general in the, in the country, like, you know, and then it's always justified like, well, the stock market's up and this and that's okay. Okay. Yeah. But like, look, I mean, that might help, you know, people obviously can benefit from the stock market, but you also have to have capital. It's like, so really like the stock market is just benefiting the business people like even more. I don't know, man. It's just, it's kind of crazy. Cause like, if you have these levers to pull, you can push a narrative and just like fill your own pockets while like, you know, the people that are working it are, are essentially the last to get theirs. I don't know. But yeah. I was going to point out like another um, red flag basically is like, I don't know if this happened all the time, but companies buying newspapers like that should concern people. <laughs> no, seriously, that's it's it's really concerning and even you know we'll probably i was kind of planning on talking about this later but like even with you know like facebook they have like facebook news and all these like different social media companies have like their own news network well they don't even have journalists they just like find articles that a publishing company published and then they like decide like which ones kind of like are like should be read and and i feel like under this kind of like structure of this of this model that's proposed in the book it, there's a lot more weight to it rather than just being like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'll see like the same products and I'll see the same, you know, news article. Like, like a lot of people I think don't, they're just like, okay, whatever. But it's like, and we'll dig into it, but like it can cost lives literally. Like people can die from this stuff. Like if, if we're occupying land and we have this like initiative that's being pushed or like, you know, or even, even if it's like, you know, censorship could even just, I would argue be like bread and circus idea, like just kind of, you know, distract people with like all these products and, and everything with advertisements and like tell them we're like that everything America is doing, all the movements that we're making as a country are like good and justified. And 
And even like you, it could get to a point where you don't even have to tell them like, yeah, it's justified. Like what we're doing is good. Where I think we're getting to a point where people don't even know if it's good or bad. And like, they don't even know what's happening. They're just like, again, it's like this bread and circus idea. People are like, well, I've got an iPhone, like this and that, like our, our, our government's like working for me, like whatever. But, um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like, again, like lives are lost. So, I mean, just, you know, as another metaphor, it's like, uh, you know, Chomsky and all them, they were talking about how censorship was utilized for different elections. So this is kind of where like the whole, like, um, anti-communism thing comes into play. You know, if, I think, I think the examples in the book that they talk about are like Guatemala, uh, El Salvador and Nicaragua. So during, you know, and I don't know, I don't have my dates like totally like set, um, like off memory and I don't want to go like digging around in this book to find it. But basically the story goes that like America at that time, I think it was like eighties and sixties, definitely like Reagan was, was brought up a lot. There were all these different presidents brought up, but like he was spoken about a lot. He, um, you know, they essentially like had all these initiatives to go occupy and like set up democracies is what like the, the big thing is, is like we go to other countries to set up democracies and like, we don't do it right. Like, we try to set up these democracies and it's like vocalized in media that what we're doing is really good because we're giving more people rights. But like, but when you dig into the details, like we're not giving them more rights and we're not, we're in fact, like we're giving them less options in a lot of cases. And so, um, but then like, you know, politicians are like, we're doing this because it's good for our country and like, and like, it's good for their country and like democracy overall is a good thing, but really like, you could argue like we're just doing that so that like the business people can get products or whatever, you know, uh, raw material, whatever they need. So, um, yeah, I think they may, they go about it like a monkey with a sledgehammer method, you know? And yeah, I do think the ultimate goal is (laughs) to set them up so that we can do business with them. So, I mean, we're not going to do things if it doesn't benefit us. I'm, I'm sure that's the, the mindset. I don't think we do things just to be good. Um, but yeah, exactly. like it's like it sounds good that you want to install democracy, but you have to do research. You have to understand the culture. You have to understand the people. They it's not going to function the same as it does here because we're different. And I feel like they're too lazy to to take the time to to implement it correctly. And then again, there's also the argument like, is that even our job? Like, did they even want that? <laughs> exactly. But like we say that they want like want it like the media tells the population that they do want it and so that's kind of like that's what i was going to get into is like this book points to you know guatemala and el salvador and nicaragua so i i think the way it goes and and guys like fact check me because again like i just drove like 12 hours and I'm, i'm pretty tired but i think like the way it goes is i think nicaragua they had their own um they had like I guess like a naturally like developing democracy within their borders. Right. And it was like, I think a dictator, so I don't know. I think it was like a dictator again, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, fact check me, but there was like a dictator in place and he decided to open up elections because the people wanted that. And essentially, um, the way the media in America played it out to be was that it was like an uprising and it was like these fringe groups that were running their own elections and they were like forcing people to elect certain leaders. And, um, and so basically the case study looks at Nicaragua and then Guatemala and El Salvador, which like America set up their democracies. And when you look at it, like, or they're voting for democracy. And when you look at it, like it was, it was totally broken. So, um, 
you know, in order for like an, a successful election, the book says like you need uh, free speech and assembly, freedom of press, freedom of organization of intermediate groups, freedom to organize parties, field candidates, ad campaign for office. Um, and also you need absence of state terror and climate of fear. So when you look at the case studies, like the way America was setting up these democracies is they were essentially taking in, mo in pretty much every case, they were taking at least, you know, like three or four of these out of the equation for that country. So they wouldn't allow freedom of speech. They wouldn't allow freedom of the press. Like, you know, they would literally, um, I, I would, they, they were saying that, you know, in some cases the press out there, like the buildings would get bombed or they would, you know, get, you know, like the people would get assassinated in a lot of cases. And, um, essentially, you know, they, that, you know, it's taking away freedom of press, freedom of speech that was, was being taken away at the same time. And then, um, they wouldn't allow certain groups to, uh, assemble in some of the cases, what they were doing is, you know, they had a set date that they were going to have the, the election. And it said like six months before the election, they would find, um, organization groups in those countries like Guatemala and, and El Salvador, and they would essentially jail them in, for like six months so that they couldn't vote. And like, so it's like, it's just, it's just very like hypocritical and ironic. It's honestly like, it's really annoying and like, ain't like, I mean, it should be like, it's, it, it should be like super angering. Like, it's like, we're t saying that we're going to go set up these democracies, but then in, while we're doing it, we just want something out of it for ourselves. And we're like, literally, I mean, we're literally killing people like, and saying that we're setting up their democracy correctly, but it's like, well, we're not. And then it goes even like a step further to where the media, while they were setting up these democracies, they were, they were advertising and using like wordplay and like double speak to like say that America was, um, like it, the elections were going well and the democracy was thriving. And then they would say like, in the case of like Nicaragua, that it wasn't doing well. And they would say like, they would like paint these groups again with like wordplay to say like certain things. And like, it was kind of like, what, what do you always say? Like deniable, um, Plausible deniability. Yeah, plausible deniability. They like set stuff up like that so that when, when like, because in other, you know, there were other organizations like um, Amnesty International and like different groups like that. Like there was like some group in, in Ireland, I can't remember what they're called, but they, they were fact checking American media and they were basically saying, you're wrong. Like we've gone on the streets, we've talked to these people, like this isn't what's going on. And like they were like, you know, they, they had data that they would show. And then again, the media, once they started getting backlash, they would use that tactic of flack. And then they'd like allow those articles to be shown on their, in their newspapers and stuff. But they would, um, you know, they do it selectively. And then they'd like write about the papers and the, and the articles as if like it wasn't fully credible and sorts of things like that. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just, it's really crazy how this whole, the, like the inner workings of this, it's like, there's, it really does seem to me at least like there's just this elite group of people. They're all going to the same cocktail parties together. They're all talking about like what they can do to just like make, make the population go along with their plan. And then in doing so they're like, the plan is just like, it's an onslaught and, you know, we're just like terrorizing people essentially. So, you know, I, I don't know. And then it, it even goes into like how there's this guy uh, named Pol Pot. I, I don't really, know. do you know who he is? Uh, yeah, a very bad dude. <laughs> so, well, so, so I, I don't really know what he was like or anything, but like, I know he got killed. Right. And he got killed in a country that was not, um, 
they weren't our allies, right? I think at the time, I don't know who was he. Who? No, he's from he's Cambodian. Okay, and I think during his time, like we didn't we didn't like him, and like we wanted Cambodia to be run differently. I think again, fact. Sure. Yeah. So that's probably part of the um, containment because they were uh, communists. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so you know then when he got murdered. The way the media painted it was like, look, their communism isn't working over there. Like they're having these uprising, they're murdering their leaders and like, and like, they're just consuming themselves. Like communism does not work. Look how, how much they're failing. And that was like one dude that died. But then there were other countries at the same time. Um, let me, let me see if I can find this in the book real quick. Um, yeah. Okay. So at the same time, there were countries that we were allies with that we had just recently set up democracies with and they were having like like lots of of murder like their murder numbers were going up like there was like some religious groups um because there were nuns from like ohio that went i'm trying to look at and find what the countries were but basically like they um they would uh you know they oh it was in el salvador like what i was saying and we were setting up a democracy and so at around the same time that like we were setting up this democracy and saying that everything was going better for them um, like all, there was like a lot of murder there and, and like, and it, you know, if you dig into the details, it shows like our, the democracy we were setting up wasn't working because like it was getting actually worse. And so, but like, we didn't go over, we didn't cover those details in the media at all. And like the murder was even worse over there. There were like nuns that were like just brutalized basically. And then, but then we were focusing all of our time on Pol Pot and it was just like one dude who got killed and like, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't want to like speak too much further because I don't know all the details, but that's kind of just to show you like how the censorship works. Like democracy was being set up. We were saying everything was going well. But meanwhile, like these atrocities were happening. And it, it also seemed, oh, yeah, it seemed like a lot of these um, murders in El Salvador were like it was like if you kind of try to trace it back, it looks like the like our government was like basically OK with it and like talked to their leaders. And like we knew it was going to happen, but like we didn't really care to stop it. So I, I don't know. Again, you should, I mean, people like read, read more into it. It's, it's like really interesting stuff, but like, it just goes to show you like someone's controlling the narrative and there's these interests that are backing it that basically like they just work together and they have the same interests. And so they'll, they'll terrorize and do all these awful things in the name of whatever it is that they're telling people is justified. And it's all to support essentially like the military industrial complex. So more or less, I feel like I, I've said a lot, um, so far, I mean, I've still got more to say, but like, is, is all, is what I'm saying, like even making sense so far, like, yeah. And it's the, like, it's bringing up so many different, like sub podcasts that we can go into on so many different things. Like, um, you know, should America be playing world police? Like that's, that's debatable because like you know you get people that say you know hey we have no business going over to other countries and and messing with their stuff but then you also have people that say how can you sit by while all this bad stuff happens in this country you know um it, it's an interesting predicament so like that's like a, a sub podcast we could do um i think we even have it written down somewhere on like the red scare just kind of talking about that where you know i think the interesting debate topic on that's going to be like um what were their motives and then were they right in their actions so 
Um, so like Cambodia, for example, with Pol Pot, like before all of this, like what they did to get to bring in communism was essentially kill all the elites. Like that's that's kind of. I think that's what China did too. It's like that was their idea. Get rid of all these elites that we and the wealthy and the educated. Get rid of them and then we're going to give the power to the people. That's essentially what a lot of like the at least the Asian communists run on and even maybe Russia. Well, but so, but oh, go keep going, sorry. And I was just going to say like so but then so the US reaction is it are they afraid of them getting offed by our population if we had turned to communism? Is that what they're worried about? Are they actually worried about the people of other countries that, you know, suffered from that? Or is it just they, you know, they want to keep, they like their, the current democratic system they have and they, because they have power and they don't want to lose it. It would be in their best interest to go after those um, and paint um, any opposition in a bad light and then of course paint any attempts at democracy in a good light like it makes sense motivation wise if their I plan was to stay in power essentially yeah and, and I think that it was you know it's that's always been an issue because you know again this you know you can argue in a lot of the coups that were arisen like again and this ties in with the censorship it's like especially during the red scare and all that time, we would always say like, look at how communism isn't working. Like they're, they have like this, this rebel group that's like killing their leaders so that they can gain control. Well, a lot of the times we armed those rebel groups in the first place and like gave them the weapons because we wanted to th them to throw over their overthrow their leader. But then like in some cases, like there weren't bad communist rulers. Like for instance, in Nicaragua, I guess like he was like open to, you know, for the people to choose their leader. And then we would say like, look, like the people don't want this, but like they did. And, and then, you know, the case study talks about how in Guatemala, like when we brought, when we ushered in democracy, it actually took away, like, like what I was talking about before, it took away the laborer's voice even further because they said like, okay, well, if we're going to do democracy, then we want, like they want, they, they wanted no more war in their country. And so, none of the candidates though were allowed like by like our our rule like they weren't allowed to like run off the platform of anti-war and then like we also like demolished like they had more um like labor group like kind of like labor unions and i mean even in america like we don't have as many labor unions and so that's taking away the laborers voice and so like they're not able to you know like come together and because you know they know their day in their day in and day out better than the elites do so like when you take away their voice like you're you're automatically putting them at a disadvantage and like making them subject to like the profit that the elite you know like the the owner of the company like sees fit and then you know it's just i feel like democracy has done a bad job at like giving the worker a voice in a lot of ways not in every situation but like in a lot of ways and like even the jobs that do pay really well a lot of them are you know you, not that you have to be an elite class, but like you need some sort of tool or like, you know, like for instance, like programming or like Silicon Valley, it's like, you know, that's like an extreme example, but they're all making a bunch of money, but the general population out there, that's not a tech person that's not making six figures. Like they're being pushed out because 
housing prices are like just going way up just because like the tech people can can make that much money but people with other skills can't and like then they don't get like a you know i don't know it's just like this whole censorship thing plays a part in our politics like a lot in even in america it's like again you know a lot of people don't want us to like be spending as much on war because we're like you know it's the world's pretty safe and like maybe if we leave them alone like they won't come and attack us and like if we're gonna spend money on defense like just keep it at home don't like occupy the countries but like that voice is never heard and it's like it's because this whole censorship machine is like they want that they want the war because they're making money off of it but general population is like dude just give us that like in profit or like um you know just pull out in general like we don't want to be attacking people and so but it just keeps going on and on because that's what the narrative is. And like, they're sticking to it. Like, it's a good thing that we're doing that, you know, is like the narrative and they just stick to it. So, um, I, I think it can just be used in very extreme dangerous ways. And like, even what we're learning in history books and stuff like that, like who knows if that stuff's true, like it could be, you know, it's like the saying, um, like the victor writes the story or whatever, something like that. Like whoever's yeah. victorious writes the story. So, I mean, maybe that's an indication that it is working, but it's like also like, I, I don't know, maybe it's not as good as like what they're saying it is. That's, uh, that's, that's the, 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 in my opinion, like the very dangerous part about censorship is if once it comes to light that you have been fed falsehoods, where did it start? And nobody knows, you know, like you said, like, what if our history books are wrong? How are we going to yeah. know now? Like, they've muddied the water so much, nobody knows what's true. Like, you know, we learn... So, okay, so for instance, this is censorship at work, and this just shows how confusing it can make mass populations, or confused it can make mass populations. So I got a buddy in China, and, like, when he lived out here in California, I was hanging out with him, and I asked him, like, I was like, hey, what do you like? What do you think about Mao? Like, what, what did you kind of, like, learn about him and stuff? And he was like, oh, he's like a really good leader. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, what, what more, more about him? And he was like, well, he's just like really good. He ran the country really well. He did good for his people. And I was like, dude, it's just crazy because like we learned the exact opposite out here. And I was like, and I asked him, I was like, have you ever heard of like the great book burnings that he did? And he was like, no. I was like, well, apparently like he took a bunch of like generations of knowledge in book form because they didn't have internet back then and just lit it all on fire and got rid of like centuries of knowledge. He's like, yeah, he's like, he didn't do that. Like we, I don't think that's a thing. It's like, well, uh, I don't know who's right. Who's wrong. Like I haven't gone over there personally, their libraries and seen like a whole missing 200 years of information. I don't know, but like, I don't know. It's, it's like, you could say like, we're doing this, you know, I, I mean, and I guess this kind of brings us to present day. It's like, I don't believe America ever did something like that. Um, but like, we could get to that point, especially with like direct push media. And I guess what I mean by that is like social media and like cell phones. Cause now, I mean, what, what's distributed is like a, it could become a virtual book burning where like you essentially just antiquate all these articles or like put them at the bottom of the algorithm. So no one sees them like that could essentially be a book burning in, in sorts. And, and then also there's, you know, or if you just directly block stuff, like, dude, like I'll go on Instagram now and I just see like a funny meme that's making fun of the elections. Like, dude, it's just funny. It's like all in jest. And I, I go to share it, uh, send it to someone. And then like, I get a pop-up that's like, I don't know what it says, but I just noticed it like two days ago, it popped up and it was like, there's like this bar at the bottom that says like election information. It's like, make sure you're up to date on election information. And then when you click to share it, you get another pop-up that says like, 
like make sure that this isn't um damn i don't know what the exact like uh language is in it but it says something along the lines of make sure this is credible like do you want to go to this website link to like verify it or something like that and i'm just like no like i just want to send it it's a funny meme and, and so like you can do that but you get this pop-up and it's like again like tying this into censorship like if that becomes normalized to see like, oh, you need to verify this post before you send it, then like what it could turn into, like once that becomes like normalized, like, oh, I'm used to seeing that, then they can just like gradually phase it out completely. It's like inch by inch, you know, it's like when you set this new standard, then like through this like censorship and through this mediated censorship and um, then like they, they essentially normalize things going back to democracy. Like it's normal to us. Like democracy is like the only way it's like a very good way, but like, that's because that's what we've been taught and what's been normalized. It's the same thing with like what, just what we can see in general, like just in total. And I think at the end of the day, what I think it ties into is bread and circus. I think like if, if like the general population could just be distracted through these media outlets, then like there's like these giant agendas that are going on in the background and we're, we're just blind to it essentially, whether we want to be blind to it or not, like that's up to people to figure out like for themselves. But I think like in doing all of this, like the laborer and the common folk, like they lose their voice, they don't know what's really going on. And then like at the end of the day, like we're going to be the ones that suffer the most. So it's just like, you got to keep it in check, but like, how do you keep it in check? Especially when everything just percolates, every industry percolates into like three companies, they're all hanging out together, you know, um, and they have the same objective. So it's like, you know, censorship just gets really confusing. Like as far as like the realistic implications, it gets like, I feel like it confuses people when it's used to a extreme degree. For sure. <laughs> I wrote down a note here that said people are mad because they're confused. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's dude i really think that's it and as soon as like there's peace like there, there's something else that pops up and like then that becomes the problem and like the media just keep like that's why i was trying to say earlier i i would almost argue like okay it used to be anti-communism that the media is like ran their platform on then it was terrorism i think now it's like i don't even know what it is it's, it's in development but i think the objective is to like distract us like and not have an outsider because like all the other examples of communism and terrorism is all like there's an outsider that's infringing on us but now it's like turned in on itself and it's like okay now like these people that are your neighbors they are turning against you like what good does that do i, I don't do they think like oh they're starting to see through our cracks like like um our our censorship model is like failing so now we just need to like make them pissed off at each other while we figure something else out like is that what it is i mean that's kind I think that of my thought yeah for sure you know it's like dude people before social media i don't know but like i don't think like people were just like generally pissed off if someone had like a, like an opinion of something it's something that seems really new very freshly plucked you know and it's like starting to dominate just our social landscape like we just get so mad and like at an opposing opinion. And then when, when you like ask like, well, like, why are you so mad about it? It's like, they just spit out these facts that the media told them. And it's like, I'm guilty of it. Like everyone's guilty of it. It's like, dude, just take a step back and realize like, man, I don't know. Everyone's human. Like, like what we're being told doesn't really reflect like the actual people on the ground, you know? 
I, I think don't know. yeah, and I think another aspect that makes it even more confusing is that there is some truth in everything that's said, but it's very hard to gauge like the extent or or like how bad something really is. Well, and again, it's also like, well, okay, it's bad to us, but is it bad for them? Like, you know what I mean? Like, again, going back to the whole like red scare anti-communism, it was always like we need to fight for democracy because it's best for the world. But it's like, well, a lot of those countries didn't want that. Like they were fine with how things were being run. And then we came in under this guise of democracy and could go both ways, I guess. Like, you know, it's like we came in and said, we're doing something good, but like we made it worse. And it, they, the, I feel like there's some places that may never recover from like what, I mean, I'm going to say us, like, I'm honest, like what, america has done to some people it's like a lot of places i don't think are going to recover like and they're not thriving as much as they could and it's it is in our best interest like that's the that's like the that's like the bad part about it is like people are complacent with it because like it benefits us (laughs) but like we need so like if censorship was used in a way that was more like humanitarian then it wouldn't be like that you know what i mean yeah like (laughs) I don't know. So my solution is, I don't say it's a solution, but my thought process is just kind of like turn off, like, I mean, you can check world news once in a while or US wide news once in a while, but like everything has got to be focused locally because you can observe the facts yourself. We've come to a point where we can't trust what's being told to us, but locally you can at least go out and see, is this true? And and I mean, people get, I don't know if people can get on board with like, when I say this, people kind of don't like the way I say it, but it's just like, you really shouldn't care what's going on in Chicago, for example. And it sounds like insensitive, but it's like, there's, you're not there you don't know what's going on you've been told some things nothing you do is going to change it like why do you care like everybody needs to focus on their own community and make their community as good as they can and if everybody starts doing that as a whole i i would think that the country would improve it's just we're so caught fighting on twitter about things that don't have any impact on us so, yeah, so I, I, I'd I, say, like, I, I half agree with what you're saying, like, to the extent of, like, it should be more com- community and, like, uh, I don't think niche is the right word, but, like, to have more local concern and community and, like, control of, like, that narrative, what's going on around you, I think we do need to, like, go back more to that. And, again, it goes into, like, you know, Murdoch, that dude owns every news outlet, so, like, we're just being shown the same thing but like yeah i agree like we should be focused more on like our community around us but at the same time i I think where i disagree is like i I don't i think we should be concerned what is going on elsewhere because again it's like it's like what you know our decisions here can affect people elsewhere like and and then it turns into like well what is quote unquote uh the community and like local that you're talking about because from your perspective it's like you know your town where you live but to a politician it's like locally is the next country over you know what i mean like that like local is not local is like uh subjective i i don't know you can't there's not a definition of what local really means i think i don't think 
like local, you know, like there's local vari- variables, like there's local location. Like, I mean, there's local, you know, what is local? Do you put like a number on it? Like there's a thousand people should just be worried about themselves or is it like, no, I, I would say local is like basically your, your reach essentially like here in here in Versailles, like I basically go to work, I go to Kroger, I go to church, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that's kind of my, my local, but it's different for different people. You know, um, somebody that commutes to Lexington, for example, there's, it's going to be a bigger range because they spend time in Lexington. It's, you know, f- I'm just saying, focus on the world around you. And I do, I understand the, well, we can't just ignore if, if another community is suffering, you can't just blow them off. Like, I get that, too. But mm-hmm. you got to start somewhere. And, and Okay, and, and I get what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, like, you can get mad about something, but, like, what are you, at the end of the day, like, if you're just thinking about that and getting mad about it, but you're not going out to that location and doing something about it, like, then don't worry about it. I don't know. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I feel like that's kind of makes more sense. No, and that's, like, yeah, that's something that's frustrating is like somebody's going to um, make a post, share a post or change their, change their Facebook uh, picture or something to show that they're in support of something. But like, let's be real. That doesn't do anything. Like it, it's just, I feel like people spend they just do that so they feel good about themselves, right? Right. We do I, need people that, that are sure. willing to go make a difference. I'm not saying, and it's. But you're, you're trying to say like you can make a difference around you, and I guess maybe some people are trying to do that with like pictures and logos. But at the end of the day, like if that's all you're doing, like that doesn't really do much because, in fact, it could become honestly even more divisive. Like if you're flashing a, a symbol of something that like you agree with and someone else doesn't because again, the narrative is different depending on what you watch. Then it's like someone is, is thinking of that logo in a different way than what you think about it. Like what it means to you versus what it means to them, even though you guys probably agree on the, on the same thing you're trying to say. Right. And so it's like, instead of just like trying to like show a symbol, like I support this or I, sh- I believe in this. It's like, okay, then go like show that you do like, I don't know. It's complicated because the logo in a way is that kind of, I mean, it is activism as like to a small degree, but like if you're just posting a picture or a logo and then like you just like tweet about it and like bitch about it, like, sorry, but like that's, that's more divisive than helpful. And I feel like like, go to a community that has that problem and try and fix it from the inside out, I guess. But with like, you know, the censorship that we're talking about, you get behind this cause that says X thing is happening in this location. If you don't live there and censorship's happening, how do you even know that it's happening? I think that's my well, thing. Exactly. It's so if like, you actually care, go there and see if it is and then try and fix it. Yeah. And there's people that do that and I commend them for that. And then they get to the truth, yeah. you know, and but maybe they can share it with us. Possibly be propaganda at that site. Like, you know, someone, I mean, there's, what are those called? Um, provocateurs like that's in a sense that's also censorship because you're having someone go in and change the narrative to make your side look good yeah that's that is censorship because then the media can like take a picture of that or a clip of that and then show that that's what's happening and again it's just like it consumes itself and then it like man if, if like censorship just keeps going like the way it is today like there's gonna be nothing left to censor <laughs> you know what i mean like Either because we're all going to be dead or because they'll censor everything and then we'll just have blinders on all day and 
I think like I kind of envision like uh, we start just kind of focusing on making sure our community is good, establish some sort of community um, source of information that's not one of these giant companies. And if everybody did that, then I could go, all right, let's go to the Lexington community website, see what's up. Yeah. Okay. You know, and then you get a better feel for it. No, exactly. And that, Dude, that's like exactly like what this model talks about. It's like, you know, first of all, like there should be more localized news. So it's like actually legit. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just. It's just crazy because it's got it's just gotten so convoluted and uh, there's just I don't know. People just live through the media, but they don't no one's really seen it. I mean, some people are for sure. I'm not saying it's all wrong. I'm not saying like it's all false, but I'm saying like there's more to it than just what's being shown. Yeah. And one, like a funny thing here is like, um, if something happens like in our neck of the woods, essentially we don't, our first instinct isn't to go to, uh, the news. Cause we know it's going to be BS to some extent. We just go to, like, there's a Facebook page that is just for salespeople, and they just post and be like, oh, yeah, I saw there was an accident over here. It was like this person and this person. Like, we'll get that, like, way before whoever. And then you got community uh, members saying, oh, yeah, then uh, that's right. But if somebody lies, they're like, well, they're like a million people will come in and you're like, what are you talking about? Like, you're an idiot. Like, that's wrong. Okay, no, that's, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, I blanked a second ago, but that's where, no, that's right. That's, again, that plays into the model. Like the book was talking about how, like, again, these media sources get quote unquote experts. And then like, dude, the experts are literally like, they're getting their information from the white house. (laughs) So it's like, like whatever is even hitting. So like whatever story it starts as is already watered down when it gets to the screen. Cause they have to fit it into like a three minute clip or whatever. But like, even before that it's a watered down version because the news is coming from one source pretty much like, or like the, the, the quote unquote, like primary source, you know, or secondary source. It's all, it's just like the white house has this op-ed or news story. Like we trickle it down. Then that's what the media says. And it's even cleansed down even more. So it's just kind of disgusting. It's like what you're saying, like, why is there like it, it almost seems like there really is like one group who has the facts and everything else is not a fact. And like if you question it, then like you're an idiot or like you're going you're going like like against like the greater good of everybody. But it's like, dude, like these facts are pretty much percolating from one like it could be one literally one person who's sitting in their basement just like writing something, dude. And then they're, they're, they just happen to be some stupid political official person. And like, that's why it's factual. And like the experts said, so it's like, yeah, well the experts like you picked. So like, they're also going to go along with your narrative, you know? Yeah. Now it's, Oh, it's so, it's just a mess, man. Cause like now it's, you can just be like one person come out and say this happened and here's the facts. The other person could just be like, that's a lie. That's misinformation. Here's the facts. And they completely contradict each other. And we don't know which one's right. Right. No, and that's what they talk about in the book. They talk about cohesion packages. It's like, or coercion packages. It's like, um, they have to coerce pe- people to believe something. So like, you know, with all, they need all these, like, these pretenses like that they conduct it, you know, they, it's like they conduct all these pretenses and then flash it as fact. 
And it's like, again, to my point earlier, um, you know, they, they, they'll say the same story maybe like 500 times in a year. And then they'll only say the opposition, you know, like a fraction of that. So it's like, it looks like the other side is like just the fringe group or like the other side is like the, the incorrect opinion because like what's been told is the opposite and it's being told every day, like multiple times a day. So like people start to hear it and internalize it. And like, it just becomes second nature that like, yeah, that's what's going on. But it's like, well, but that's because they told you it was going on and then they're not giving you the other side. So like, how is that verified? Well, it's verified through experts and it's like, yeah, but they chose those experts. Like it's the same expert that comes on every night. Like, what are you talking about? You know, I don't know, man. It's just, it seems easy to me, like to understand that that's a thing, but either people don't see it or they like, and I, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not trying to offend like people, but I just, it's, it seems like a lot of people either just like don't see it or like they don't want to, or they don't care to. And it's like, again, dude, these things have consequences. Like people get killed over this stuff. Like, I, I think that's really why, I don't know why, why I like talking about this because like, dude, like in general, the other people aren't the enemy. It's like the people who are censoring are the enemy. But then it's like, well, which person is actually doing the censorship? And again, I think like in America, at least the censorship has turned like inward. And so like, dude, like, like you could, you could probably say that, I don't know, man, maybe this is wrong, but I really think like, you know, Trump and Biden are on the same team, man. Like they're, <laughs> I don't know. They're on the same team, dude. They have the same boss. They're working for the same person. Like, and then like. Trump is part of like the distraction. Like he's part of like, like I, I feel like, you know, and this could almost tie back to like MK ultra and, and pro, like operation paperclip. Like they know. And when I say they, I know that's like very like, well, who are you talking about? It's like, okay. Like the FBI and like all these or, like government organizations, like they know like how people tick. And so like, I mean, even like the television was like an invention of government research because they wanted to know how people like reacted to certain wavelengths and like how it could, would like trap that, not trap them, but like lure them in to watch it and like turn it addictive. So like if they know how to do that stuff, then like there's a good chance that they can see a few steps ahead and be like, okay, like people are going to eventually understand that like the media is being like kind of weaponized. Like we've already also like experimented how to counter that to counter that. Let's have this like big buffoon go up and like call out our censorship again, that whole flack idea. Like you could say like Trump, I don't know. You could almost, I, I sometimes think like Trump is the flack. Like he's the grand he, like, scale he's, flack. <laughs> bro, he's being like, seriously, like he's being used because everyone was seeing through social media and through like all these more, Cause okay, earlier I said like we kind of lost the local feel to things, but then I want to say that the internet kind of brought it back in a weird way. Cause like you could find your group online, you could just search up keywords that you, that interested you, and there would be a group talking about it, which is dangerous and not dangerous. It's also helpful, but like it can be that can become dangerous too. Whatever. But what I'm trying to say is like it almost created this like localized uh, concept online. And then people, I think, did start to do their own research and see a bunch of like bullshit. And then I think like whoever was whoever's controlling like the legacy media, they, there were two things that came out of it. One, the first thing was like, crap, we need to get a hold of those people and, and get in their pockets so that they can, like, so that we can control the narrative from like their tools, i.e., like Facebook and Twitter and all that, because they kind of started to realize like, oh, the media, like our legacy media, is getting outdated and like antiquated. But then at the same time, I think they also realized like, well, we can still use the art, like legacy media 
to like distract people and make and just cause calamity and use censorship to like distract them while we figure out the new like uh method does that make sense so yeah. like i i often think like trump was like the legacy media distraction who's like working with like every everyone joe biden all of them they're all on the same team and so like he's calling out like oh it's fake news because people started doing research online and they were like you know, it was, again, the laborers were getting their voice back. They were seeing what was true. So then they realized like, damn, let's just play off of that. And let's get a guy in office who says that everything's fake. And then like that, that just causes confusion. And while they're doing that, we'll set up these other platforms so that like our interest is still preserved because like, while everyone's quibbling over these things on the legacy media, we're like ushering in this new media with social media and like turning it into, um, the next, like media media tool I, I don't know if that makes sense but yeah hot take that's my that's my conspiracy theory for the day it's like dude i really think they're all working together and he's just he's the he's the ultimate flack and from him you know we're all distracted we're all we're all quarreling like we are our own enemy internally and then all of a sudden everything's going to be fixed once they have their legislation sorted out, I mean, dude, right now, Facebook and Twitter and all them, they're all, they are literally, dude, they are drafting the legislation in which, uh, they're going to be regulated by. So no, it's like, uh, yeah. that's, that's undergoing right now. So like, while they're making the rules for the next media censorship outlet, they're like, we don't want people to know what's going on. So let's distract them through our channels that we have now get them all pissed at each other and then we'll just pass all these laws and they won't even know. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. like really what I think is happening right now. Here's a, like I, an, honestly. A, another take that I kind of read. Uh, I don't know if I read or heard somebody on a podcast talking about is that they're in there. Like this is perfect for them, like Facebook, Twitter and whatever. Cause they can walk in and be like, okay, yeah, maybe we did bad there. We'll be better about it. Um, we'll follow these rules. Just tell us the rules we need to do and we'll do them. And by doing that, they, they basically become like the only source of like, they become like the social media and then everything yeah. else is, it's, it's almost like a, uh, a monopolistic like game they're playing. Well, and that's dude, that's yeah, they're just they're just pass and go every time, dude, too. Like they're it's just like no, it's, that's I think that's kind of like more or less you're saying the same thing I'm trying to say too. It's like they're creating the next monopoly with Facebook and Google, and meanwhile they're using the current monopoly that they have with like Murdoch and all these media outlets to like I mean, I think they're eventually going to outdate them. They're they're going to be no more, but they're using them right now to distract us so they can set up the next era of censorship media. And it's like currently happening right now. And like people like choose sides, like, well, it's the Republicans or the Democrats, but dude, like I've talked to both sides and people say like Trump is worse for censorship. And then other people say Joe Biden is worse, worse for censorship. So it's like, again, which one is it? They're using censorship to make that, like to form both of those opinions. But at the end of the day, they probably are on the same team and they're just using that censorship to usher in a new era of censorship. I don't know, man. It doesn't make any sense, but like it does make sense. <laughs> I mean, here's the This is why like I kind of it's so complicated. Maybe we'll talk about it some other time, but like in since it's kind of like a cat capitalist type system right now, we can all stop using all of these together and there's nothing to stop us right companies can't force you to give them money 
we kind of talk ourselves into, yeah, they do. Like, well, what else am I going to use for social media? Or what other store do I go to buy my groceries other than Walmart or Kroger? You know, it's find somewhere else. Like, you actually can. And I don't think, I think most people don't want to do that. And that's the problem. And, and I think they know that. Well, and that's why politics and, and the politicians work so well with businesses because businesses are always innovating excuse me, to make things more convenient. And so they can use those, like they can essentially weaponize them. I mean, it's like, dude, nobody goes shopping because, well, I mean, one, because like COVID, but like two, because Amazon, dude, like it's so convenient, but like Lord only knows what kind of legislation he's influencing, dude. That guy's probably running. He's basically running our whole country at this point, him and like Zuck and I don't know, Jeff, Dor- Jack Dorsey's trying, but he's close, but, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, um, it, everything you just said ties into this whole censorship thing. Like it's more than just censorship. Like this, this model can be applied to like anything. I feel like that's why it's so genius. It's like, and I'm sorry if I haven't been doing a good job explaining it and people are like, dude, this doesn't make any sense, but like it really can apply to like everything. It's like these business people need to keep making money. They need to keep innovating so that we like not need them, but want them. And then the politicians are just like allowing them to do whatever they want to do because they pass the legislation and then, they get some something for the businessmen blah 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 i don't know dude it's um, yeah it's basically they the whole model hinges on um the general population being idiots essentially <laughs> well yeah i mean that's yeah that's <laughs> not to, i don't uh, yeah i don't want to sugarcoat it that's I mean, what it idiot, is dude. we're if, all idiots honestly like, if yeah we're all idiots or we're lazy and that's how they get away with all this because but are we idiots because we're idiots or are we idiots because they're making us idiots <laughs> um bit of both <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah we have to be willing but at the same time like there's these certain structures put in place that's like well we so, it's like hard like very hard if not impossible to go against it sometimes like taxes dude like you can't really do anything about taxes and then like that money goes to stuff that you might not like and then and then it sort of does something to your world in a real world, you know, to your life in a real world implication. And then it makes you a quote unquote idiot. Cause like you're going along with it, but you don't, a lot of times you don't really have a choice. I get what you're saying though. With like social media, it's like there, there are other options. And like with grocery shopping, like you can go to a farmer's market or you can go to a local person, but, um, you know, your point stands, but, um, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of times, I, I don't know. There is a very cynical view on the general population and again, myself included, but I really think a lot of people do care. They just like, again, there's like censorship that's happening to where like they care, but they don't really know. I don't know. A lot of people I think care, but they like, what are they supposed to do? Like, and how can they change? Like, there's all this overwhelming information. It's like, how can I even like do one thing to like help fix this? Like there is hope out there. I promise everybody there is hope, but you just gotta, I feel like the, the secret is like every, Everyone needs to like, you know, we need to, I don't know, like people need to band together and like you said, control your local area, like control what you can control around you. And like, once you do that, then like, you know, you're, you have, you're stronger in numbers and then, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think the last thing they want is for us to, to all be friends. So, I mean, maybe we should do that people. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, hmm. I think, yeah, I think part of it is maybe people are like, and people, I don't want to be mean by calling people idiots, but idiots, I just mean like they just, 
I don't, they don't take the time to think about things because they just don't want to, you know? And, and I think it, there's so many people I meet, there's that, there's those types of people, and then there's types of people that just kind of feel like it's hopeless too, so they don't bother trying either. It's both, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of everything, but I think, like, people should care more, and people should, like, like there is a way to use what we have to to sort of form our own opinions and our own narrative. Like right now, I think there's just so much control. A lot of it's through censorship and this whole machine that's moving. Like there is just so much control at the top, but like there's ways for people to gain their control back. Um, I mean, you know, even me just trying to like explain this whole layout so people can understand it and kind of read between lines when they're watching something or reading something like, hopefully this helps a bit, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, put my voice on the air, you know, the way in the airwaves, maybe, you know, hopefully it helps someone. It makes them laugh or think, I don't know, but you know, there's ways, there's ways to come together and congregate and form our own opinions and rely more on each other than the powers that be, I think, you know, I think that's a lot of like what it comes down to. That's right. Hmm. All right, well, that puts us at an hour 20. We can land the plane, or we can roll into just kind of... I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we don't have enough time to do, like... You know, is censorship... When should should, censor, should censorship be used, if ever? What's the line? That kind of thing. That could almost be another episode, um, but I, I didn't know how. Where do you want to take this? We covered. Did we cover all your stuff, by the way? I I think we've basically covered everything I wanted to talk about. I've been, you know, this is a pretty long winded one for me, but I, I mean, I'm definitely down to, you know, we can keep going. We can make a new episode out of it. It's really up to you, man. I'm always down to come to, come back to censorship, but um, I I think we can. It's up to you, honestly. I don't care. I think I think we'll land this plane. Um, People can send, so we will do a, a maybe like a part two on censorship. That'll be more of this discussion of like um, censorship and how it's intended to be, not like this, like whatever this model we have going now is not this, but like, you know, there's, there's things we don't want certain people to see maybe or ideas that are dangerous or something like that like there's a lot of discussion around this so i mean maybe if you guys want to send us your thoughts on at uh, dybpodcast at gmail.com just kind of like uh no there's no censorship some censorship what should be censored what shouldn't what's the standard that kind of thing because like yeah maybe even like how to you know because like i said i think we're seeing it before our eyes like the how censorship is being uh dosed out to us is changing so like what what do you think that'll look like you know like how do you keep it in check like what's the best way forward like from your point of view yeah like where when does it go too far kind of like what you were saying lee so yeah i'd like to take a take the time to kind of think about it because i really don't even have the answer so and country people to think what they think is the right answer but also i i think you got to the main part everybody has to keep in mind is how can it spiral out of control or how can it be used wrong in the scenario you're presenting? 
I, I think that's that's key to to finding the answer to this. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah I need yeah. more. I think I need more time to gather my thoughts on this because I could not. I don't know. I don't know. I, and I don't. I don't have the answer either, to be honest. I mean, you know, there's obviously. One, we could even bring this up in the next episode or talk about it right now. But like stuff that's going on with like, you know, like Assange and like Snowden. Is that right? You know, yeah, I don't think so. But again, yeah, that, like what they're saying yeah. goes against the narrative that politicians and business people want. So they're automatically painted as the enemy. But it's like, damn, dude, like I talk to people that I know are like politically driven and like, you know, seem to know a lot about politics, but then I'll bring up Assange. They don't, they, they literally haven't like, they maybe haven't even heard of him. And I'm like, dude, dang, whatever I'm going off. But like, it's like, man, that censorship is dangerous. That's I think some of the most dangerous. And again, it goes into the, how America, well, whatever. A lot of times we justify what we're doing, but that's, I don't think is very justified at all. And it's kind of awful anyways. I digress. So yeah, that's what we'll we'll do that. I don't know if it'll be next our next real talk or serious one, whatever we want to call these, or if it'll be down the the road. Um, but yeah, just be thinking about that, guys. I'd love to hear from you guys to get your opinions because the more the merrier. There may be things neither of us are thinking of, so it'd be cool. Yeah. So send us your thoughts. When do, when does censorship cross the line? When when should it be utilized? How should it be used going forward? Send it in to. What is dybpodcast at gmail.com, right? That's it. Send me something other than the spam I keep getting. It's very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, man. Well, Lee, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. I'm all good here. That's it for me. Um, I'm just uh, saying bye, guys. Take care. Max, say yeah. bye. Love you guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sticking with us here.